0: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Mask On, Mask Off podcast. In this episode, we have Anna Robertson, a photographer, a printer, and art historian based in Savannah, Georgia. In this episode, we talk about letting go of ego to connect with the world as a whole, Southern culture, as well as her photography process. And by the way, she also got married. So please go over to her page or her website and let her know that you are happy for her and congratulate her. Enjoy the episode. Boom. Today, we have a very special guest. This is the 725 Mask On, Mask Off podcast. We have Anna Robertson. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. This is pretty cool because you're our first um, photographer art historian but that's me putting a label on you like how would you introduce yourself like how do you
1: Ooh, um usually my go-to is photographer um photographer I think my my website says photographer writer printer um I'm it says it on my website because I'm a very like career oriented person. Yeah. Um, I, I guess, I guess in this situation, I would be like, yes, photographer.
0: Yeah. Cause I didn't know. I was like, I was going through your website and and I saw that, but I was like, I don't know how much of this is just kind of, you know, sometimes they tell you whenever you're making a, a site or a portfolio or resume, like, you have to just put these certain things, but sometimes you may be way more than whatever you might, put down
1: yeah yeah I think I think photography and um just art in general how I think about art how I how I function as an artist is a very very large chunk of who I am as a person um I have I have like smaller but still equally incredibly important parts of of me yes but I think one of the the biggest driving force in my life kind of manifests in photography I think
0: and and it's really evident um because I was going through the work and a lot of people you know everybody's an artist in their own right like I don't like to discredit anybody but I always often have conversations that you can really tell, but based on number one conversations and by work, who really lives through their art, like they eat, sleep and breathe what they do. And a lot of your photos aren't really just photos to me personally. Um, they feel almost kind of spirit like spiritual spaces. Yeah. Um, one could be like, oh, you know, you just pick up a camera and shoot, but like. Number 1 when you actually do it a lot of the times whatever you're seeing doesn't even correlate whenever it's you know you see it in front of you so it's like there's a lot of skill that goes into that a lot of you know trial and error um but yeah like your work to me I just I really like it because I can tell that it's something that is deeply personal to you and that you're trying to really do something as far as like it's not just like a oh like this is just an artsy thing to do, you know.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I um I try to be as like no bullshit as possible. Yeah. Like I I try, I don't like So like, you know, when we're when we're in art school and when we're uh, when we're learning how to be to step into the realm of like a professional sphere, we have to learn how to like brand ourselves as like this person. Mm -hmm. And I, I find that really exhausting sometimes. So I try to be like the same person consistently, like in whatever realm you're meeting me. Mm -hmm. And When I make when I make photographs, I try to it's a really meditative process. Okay. Um, So like it and it is a really spiritual process. It's the way that I it's the way that my my brain is functioning. It's the way that I'm trying to view the the world. And I'm trying to use photography, which can be a very literal form of making work. Mm -hmm. Um, or it can be very figurative or it can be very metaphorical. A lot of my favorite photographers, um, their whole thing was how to take such a literal medium of art and make it painterly, make it metaphysical. Um, and that's, that's what I try to do, um, in photography, that's what I try to do in my writing, even in like art, like art historical scholarship. Like I try to be like, okay, how can we look at the way that this person was viewed? Like what kind of symbolism are they using? What kind of like spiritual perceptions are they using? Like, what are they pulling from? Um, like those are always my favorite people. So, but I try to be like, I try to very much be myself in in situations like I don't I don't feel like I've like branded myself quote unquote I just like try to be the person that I am and like people can take that or they cannot and I've had people not take that and that's cool and then I've had people take it and run with it and that's great too
0: yeah so to your point of just like you saying that in everything you are who you are and it's a take it or leave it one thing that really struck struck me the most is like as soon as you get, you know, inside your website, like I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, let me go in the bio. Cause usually I just like, like to have conversations, but let me check out like the bio. Like how does, what's the about page? And if you don't don't mind me reading, can I read the about page as you put it?
1: Yeah. In March of 2018,
0: I was sitting under a large tree on an island off the coast of Georgia. I was recovering from, forgive me if I butcher this, laparoscopic surgery for...
1: Laparoscopic.
0: Laparoscopic surgery for endromyosis, a chronic condition where the tissue that grows within the uterus that is shed during a menstrual cycle instead grows outside the uterus and other organs. I had not quite healed, but all I wanted to do was get on with my life. I felt alone in my pain, frustrated and angry at my body. I sat on the beach under the giant tree, still healing and stared up at a tree. As I did, I noticed the ferns and Spanish moss growing from the bark of the tree, separate from the trees, but also a part of it, strangling and maybe painful, but the most beautiful thing I'd seen. And I thought, in a way, that was me. I was the tree with the strangling vines alive, encompassed and beautiful. I became fascinated with the mirror between humans and nature, the repetition of patterns between the two. I've dedicated my work to this symbiosis and I fit, how I fit into both worlds. My name is Anna Robertson, and this is my heart and soul in your hands." I read that, and I was like, whoa, I've never, ever, ever, ever opened an about page. And it was that open, honest, you know, just very vulnerable. And I, I just really respected that a lot. So I just kind of want to know what made you put that instead of like, you know, I'm from ABC. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, so endometriosis is an, ex- is an extremely common um, invisible illness. It affects one in 10 people born with a uterus Um and it um, it causes a lot of extreme pain, and it causes a lot of like mental grief and mental exhaustion. It causes a lot of physical in- exhaustion. So, like, generally, having uterus kind of sucks. Just like in general, like once a month you shed the entire lining of it and it's it it hurts and you're bloated and like it it affects your mood because like your, your estrogen drops and like your testosterone rises. So like your, your face breaks out and it's like, it's terrible, Um, but like, um, and I knew very, very, very early on that like something was wrong. Like I knew that I was not supposed to be waking up at 2 a.m. Like in so much pain I couldn't breathe. Like I knew is this I knew going on for like like a
0: majority of your life Or versus like a certain.
1: Ever since I started bleeding, ever since I started my period when I was a when I was like 13. So and like uh, female reproductive issues run in my family. Like polycystic ovarian syndrome runs in my family. That's another extremely co- common, um, like illness or abnormality of the uterus, but it's so common. Like it's honestly like not less of an abnormality and more of like just an existence. Hmm. Um, And I've had, so by at that point in 2018, I had had multiple people, doctors brush me aside like as, Oh, this is normal. Like it's no big deal. It's just being a woman is painful, which is like what? bullshit. For starters, it's oh. bullshit. Yeah, like if if you are in an extreme amount of pain, it's not normal. Um, like to all people with uteruses listening to this podcast, that's not normal. Um, are you said multiple doctors. Multiple doctors, and I've had multiple wow. doctors since then blow me off. So that surgery, actually, it's funny. Um, I I was like, listen, I've done my research. The only way to properly diagnose endometriosis is surgery because it doesn't show up on scans. Um, something like with the way that it's structured, like it's so light and like, I, I don't know. Um, so you're saying doctors with degrees? I went to med school. I like, tried to do like, the like, research. Yeah. So this is super wow. common. Women are consistently, consistently brushed aside or like their weight is blamed. I've had my weight blamed for my pain. I've had like people just be like, oh, well like it's normal or like it'll go down once you have a kid or like this is why are you so upset about this? And I like just consistently ha- have had this happen and I'm not the only person by far. So when this when the surgery took place, so like I got opened up um, the doctor so the doctor found like a cyst like tying my ovaries like in a knot got that handled i didn't know that that was there certainly got that handled didn't bother looking for lesions didn't bother sewed me back up and was like oh it's just the cyst like that was the thing that was bothering her it wasn't I was, cause when I came out of, uh, anesthesia, they were like, okay, so like, you don't have endometriosis. Like the guy opened you up, they saw the cyst, you cut it out. You should be fine. And I was like, oh, is that the case? Have him put me back under and open me up again. Cause like, I bet you that that's not Boy, correct. So that
0: was, that was your call.
1: That was, well, so like I was, so it didn't happen. They were like, oh, she's drugged. She's fine. The, the doctor like told my parents, like, she's had this cyst. We I'm un- I'm under the assumption that that's why she's been in pain for so long. Am I super glad that he removed that cyst? Yes, it could have ruptured and I could have like been back hmm. at the hospital, hmm. but my pain continued, and like it it got like progressively worse. Um I found ways of like managing it. Um like diet, exercise, trying to reduce as much stress as possible. Mm-hmm. And like that's worked for me for the most part. Like staying trying to stay away from alcohol for the most part. Like that helps with my pain as well. Um I I actually like went out for drinks with a friend of mine yesterday and I woke up this morning and I was like ah <laughs> this is terrible. Um but like like that that's not the solution for a lot of women. A lot of women my age get hysterectomies because they're in so much pain. But like, that's a little bit of backstory on that. So like, I, I was just like pissed off after this surgery yeah. and I was, yeah. I was like, I'm going to go shoot and just be myself ah like my the scars in my stomach had still like still had like like the surgical adhesive on them this is a little tmi um like i had to carry like i had to like press down on my stomach to like walk i looked like i looked i was pregnant yeah well like they have to inflate your stomach with gas and like your stomach's really swollen and like they had like tools in there and everything yeah this is tmi i mean
0: hey we're just being real we got yeah
1: we're just this is unreal. yeah this is like because it's a lead up to like why I am the way that I am um but I was in I was a sophomore at college in SCAD and I was I was starting my first darkroom class which I was did like super BFA,
0: right for photography sorry you were pursuing your BFA in photography yeah
1: yeah I did my BFA at photo and SCAD um and now I'm finishing my master's degree in art history at SCAD um so I had just started my first darkroom class. I was so excited. I was like ready to go. And I was like, okay, I can like sit around here and like feel sorry for myself because one of the things that like, have you had surgery before? No. It's like the weirdest. What, what to actually. Your body, like you feel so mortal. Like that was the most mortal I've ever felt. I think until the pandemic, yeah. um, like my i had never felt so like like a bag of organs you know like i felt very viscerally organic and like that really yeah because like (laughs) I felt like it was just so easy to like open me up and like root around in there and that like really killed the like whole like I am something other like no I felt so animal like organic like gooey in that moment um and I I was just
0: negative but like did you ever like see that on the flip side of like on the.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like that, the, like where like that was, I, I had like, I had flipped that on that at that moment, like on that day. And I was like, yeah, I'm gooey. And like, that's good. Like, that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I can be really mortal. I can be really organic. I can be like an animal because I am an animal. <laughs> like yeah. I am no different. I am no higher than this tree i am no higher on the totem pole like we just like especially like around i mean like humans have always been like so egocentric and like so egotistical like they're very like that like that horrible like cultural hierarchy that we've established or like um like animal nature hierarchy that we establish that I actually, I talk a lot about in my work and in my, uh, my academic writing mm-hmm. um, the idea that like men are at like the top of the pyramid. They're like the highest thing, the closest to God. And then like women are down here and then like animals are down here. Um, and like, um like, nature is down here, like, at the very bottom. Yeah. Um, so, it's – and, like, that I, – I had been, like, sitting in this, oh, I am this, like, higher being. And then I had my surgery, and I was like, no. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: and, like, being – I was really focused on like photographing barrier islands for that class. So that's why I was on that beach. Cause I was like, I'm going to go walk and hike and shoot and err. Cause I was just like angry yeah. and my poor, um, my boyfriend at the time and now like uh, about to be my husband was like following me around, like trying to hold me together. Like mentally and physically, he was like, Anna, you got to like not like you're, you still have stitches like they haven't dissolved yet. And I'm like, I'm fine. And I was, but I was like taking a break and like Dylan was asleep in a hammock um, on the, in the trees. And I was just like, I was sitting there with my camera, like mad and feeling sorry for myself and like frustrated that like nothing had really changed. Yeah. Um. Sure. and feeling just like just a little dejected and I, I like took a minute and like actually really looked at the landscape I like saw I saw this tree so I was on um I was on Driftwood Beach on Jekyll Island okay which is a really really important place it has it has a really important place in my heart um and I was so Driftwood is that, Beach is it is that
0: Savannah or Carolina?
1: So it's in, it's in Georgia. So it's, a it's about an hour south of here on I-95, like where like Brunswick, St. Simons is. Okay. Um, there's a very famous beach. It's a boneyard beach. Um, when based on like erode, like sand erosion. So you have, you have like, so with, with Georgia and like South Carolina, low country geography. You have beach and then you have um uh, like a a type of forest i'm i'm forgetting i'm totally um blanking on um what the forest is called um marsh no it's not marsh um but there's like um it's it's like a type of uh, it'll it'll hit me at like three a m tonight um, <laughs> But, like, as, as the sand has eroded on this island, it's pulled more and more beach away and, like, out from under these live oaks, these live oak trees. Mm-hmm. And they've fallen over and died. And they've just been bleached, like, soft and smooth and, like, white by the sun and, like, the salt water. Mm-hmm. It's really, really beautiful. Yeah, that sounds um, yeah. It's uh, like, I've shot there a lot. Um, the walking dead shot there, um, which like, of course, cause it's such like this, like ephemeral, like weird alien place that it kind of becomes. Um, and I was sitting in that, uh, in that fo- maritime forest, it's a maritime forest. That's what it is. I was sitting on, I was sitting by the trees and I was just looking up at it and I was like, that, that tree has resurrection ferns growing from it. It has Spanish moss growing from it. It's got all of these things like growing on it. That's kind of like me. That's kind of like how I feel. It's kind of how like a lot of other people probably must feel. So I, I think I was like 19 when that happened. And I started just like really, really focusing on those parallels. And as I got older, as I got more interested in history, as I got more interested in like spirituality, um that it kind of it all fed in together. This like where how can I dismantle that hierarchy? How can I make it more of like this jumbled cluster cloud of just everybody's on the same plane. Yeah. Um I got really interested so I'm I'm from the American South so like kudzu is a really big part of like just my whole life. Um I got really into photographing kudzu. There's a beautiful photograph by William Christian Berry of kudzu. Um like one in the winter when it's all hibernating and then one in the spring in the same location where it's all it's just green has just swallowed everything. What's kudzu? It's this, um, so it's like the cousin of like, I think a pea and it's this big, it doesn't grow much here in Savannah, but if you go like an hour inland, especially in like, like, like Statesboro, I found some, I more and more like you find it in like Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, like where I'm from, um, like North Alabama, where I lived for the first 18 years of my life, just coded in kudzu. So it was actually brought to the United States, to the South from, I think, Japan. And it was brought because it was super fast growing, really beautiful, big, thick um, leaves. Okay. And it was brought over here to actually cover damages in buildings just with greenery, because it would be pretty. Wow. What, like, that's shit- like gluing, like... <laughs> Yeah. Like, like gluing some stickers on or like painting over something. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same purpose, but that shit grows so fast and it thrived in like Southern heat and humidity. Hmm. And now it's, it's an invasive species and it will just, it grows. I mean, like just in a growing season, I think it can get up to like six feet in a growing season, maybe more. And it just, it just it will encapsulate everything. So I got really into like encapsulation and the idea of encapsulation. And then right before the pandemic, I was um I was in a super bad place mentally. Um like for, for a number of reasons. Um mostly like my um my sense of self because of a couple of like because of this um, I worked a really bad internship while in, in summer of 2019, I worked for this like horribly, like just cruel person. And it just completely demolished my sense of self-worth and like my sense of like who, like what I was actually like capable of as an artist, as a photographer whatever. whatever. Um, and it just like, when I got to Savannah, it like got worse. And I was just in such a crappy mental state. Like it was, to the point where like, I, I really should have gotten help. And I did. And I didn't, um, cause that's the one thing. That's the big thing that like mental illness makes you do is like, it makes you not want to get help. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, um, I think that I had started, so I was working on two series. I was working on liminal bodies and I was working, I had just started breath studies and I had put so much, I think, like pressure on myself with luminal bodies. Like it was driving me crazy. Um, I'm happy in retrospect with like how it ended up turning out and like what I have on my site. Um, but like in that moment I was like, everything's wrong. I suck. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I started doing breath studies. I was in, Um, A fabulous professor in the photo department. Her name is Rebecca Nolan. I love her. I respect the absolute hell out of her. She's amazing. Um, I was in her large format two class. And I had had this idea of like blur in photography and like movement in photography. But I like didn't when I was in Lacoste in spring of 2019, I... I had had this idea of, like, breath and, like, something, like, trying to capture, like, the earth moving on camera without doing video. Yeah. But I, like, didn't have the, I didn't have the tools to be able to do it. Because, like, I was in La Casa, so I just had my little, like, Nikon, like, my, my, my first camera, <laughs> um, my little Nikon D3200 that was, like, not capable of what I wanted to do. Yeah, and I, I, I knew... Yeah, exactly. Like it's a, it's such a good starter camera. Like I loved that thing. It was so good. I, it went to the women's March on Washington in 2017 with me. It went to Paris with me twice. It went to Lacoste with me. Like I love that thing. Um, it's got a very nice, happy retirement in one of my closest friends house. Um, but I, um, I like knew that I wanted to do it. And when we started getting into pinhole, in her class, I was like, wait a minute, I could take this giant ass eight by ten pinhole camera and like maybe I could start doing what I was thinking about doing in Lacoste. So I, I started doing breath studies, and I was really I, I was thinking about my breath. I was thinking about meditation because I had started reading a little bit of like Ramdas and um, I was listening to, um, so like, I think right after uh, the pandemic happened, like the Duncan Trussell or the Midnight Gospel came out um, and I was like, really, I was like, ooh, this is great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, I like started thinking about like, and one of my favorite photographers, Minor White was like very, he used a lot of like Buddhist principles in his work. So I was really like trying to think about that. So I started thinking like, OK, my breath, I'm breathing. I'm an extension of the earth. The earth must be breathing. The earth is breathing. How can how can I talk about that? Like, how can I capture that? So breath studies kind of turned into this like half performance art, half Photography. Um, it was like a loose idea of performance art because I was carrying like my huge ass tripod and this like ginormous like eight by ten camera, like on my back. And like I'm I'm five, I'm like barely five five. Yeah. So I was just like eh. carrying this thing and like all my um my film holders. Um, just like through wild or like semi wild spaces, there are really there are no more, there are almost no more wild spaces in on Earth. Um, Ooh, what do you mean by that? So um, the idea of wilderness is not really a thing anymore. Um, the, so the the definition or like the idea of wilderness talks about like especially in like the romantic era talks about um earth uh or like space completely untouched by humans okay that just like doesn't exist anymore and it really didn't and in the places where all of those writers were were in didn't really exist either um like the idea of wilderness totally erases like indigenous cultures, like indigenous American cultures. Because like, if you even if you look at like places like, um, like the barrier islands here. So like Ossaba Island, for example, and I use that because I've done a lot of research on the island. That little seven mile island off the coast of Savannah, Georgia, mm-hmm. used to be home to at most we're expecting I say we, I mean like people who have done like much thorough research on me and then me um, and have like PhDs, they hypothesize that there were 7,000 Wale people living on that island, like long before the Spanish came in like the 1500s, 7,000 people. And we know this because we can look at shell middens, which are like prehistoric trash heaps. Um, you can see them on, like, Skidaway Island, St. Catherine's Island. We know what we know what they ate. Wait, we so know sheeps, how they live.
0: Heeps, when you say trash heaps, like, what do you mean?
1: I mean, like, so um, middens, shell middens were these huge, so back when they were first, like, back when they were fresh, um, they were these huge, like, six foot or more, um, maybe even, like, larger than that. I might not even be, like, comprehending. Um, giant piles of, like, oyster shells. From, like, farming oysters uh, off the coast of of Georgia. And they would put, like, other stuff in there. Like, they would put dead animals in there. So, like, sometimes you'll find animal bones in shell middens.
0: Oh, so they're still Um, here to this day.
1: Yeah, they're still here to this day. You can't really, they don't look like huge heaps anymore. They're, like, at your level. But if you go and hike on Skidaway Island, like, you'll walk, um, like, deep into the state park, and you'll see signs, like, these are the remnants of the middens. They're right here. Um, And, like, Ossaba Island has three um, tabby structures. So, that's, that was um, a oyster shell and lime-based building material. Um, It was that... The principle of building tabby structures was actually actually carried over by enslaved people from Africa. And enslaved people built these three tabby structures on Asaba Island um, from shell middens left by Wale Native Americans. And there's a jawbone from a prehistoric animal found in that midden embedded in um in one of them
0: is that the one you took a picture with on your your site
1: um no I don't think that that's the one um it actually it it appears if you ever go to pinpoint heritage center um it's not that far away from here it's like a 15 minute 20 minute max drive um Mm -hmm. there's a documentary there that like it'll pan down like you can see the jawbone like in the um in the structure it's really cool
0: wow there's there's so much about like this area and just in general that I just didn't know about.
1: Yeah. Like I, so, okay. So I can't take full credit for like knowing a lot of this stuff. Most of it's my fiance. Um, and most of it is Savannah. He's not from here. He's from, we both are from North Alabama. Um, he's just a really big, he's really interested in, um, he's really interested in working for the Southern foodways Alliance that's um, based in Oxford, Mississippi. And he's he's especially interested in like how food communicates history. Yeah. And he's really invested, both of us are really invested in learning about like Savannah history and like Georgia history. Um, there's a class here at SCAD. It's called Hidden Histories of Savannah. A wonderful, amazing professor teaches it. Her name is Holly Goldstein. She's awesome. Um, but I think um, like knowing about places that I'm photographing in, Like knowing about places that I'm shooting in, I think is really important because like you don't want to just go somewhere, make work, leave and like not know that that place was sacred. Yeah. Like not know that something really important happened on that land, like land. Land holds so just just like culture holds memory, just like culture holds trauma, land holds memory, land holds trauma. And photographers and art photographers, artists, painters, musicians, they should be, they need to be sensitive to that. Yeah. Like um, I'm from like North Alabama on the Tennessee River, and like you can totally tell in the it's a big music hub you can totally tell that a lot of these people are sensitive to it. And as, and that's the same, there's a, there's a big community of people here in Savannah that are sensitive to it. Like, I think your, your photography, your art gets so much better. The minute that you start cultivating compassion. Mm.
0: That's beautiful. Cause. I always think about that more so in terms of music, because that's just like my my main scope. So I'm always like aware of just like, okay, I like making different types of music, mm-hmm. but it's like also understanding that like there's different cultures that there's history behind it that I should probably know about. Even yeah. my own like Black music, that yeah. Like, okay, yeah, it's natural to me, but I still feel a responsibility to understand where... Yeah. You know, who came before me and did what. But I thought I think it's really cool that you're talking about land, um, and understanding the community you're in as a photographer, because that's something that I never really thought about. Because like, I think about it as like, okay, a photographer might just go out and envision something cool and take a picture of it. But I, I never really thought about it as like them like, okay, wait, let me pay my let me do my homage by knowing the area first and knowing yeah. the land.
1: Yeah, I think so. I I think part of my need to know comes from being raised in the South. Comes from being like comes from being surrounded by um, like deeply heavy spaces, um, especially being in Savannah. like the the south kind of carries and is is more clear um about carrying that that weighted history and it's it's also really important that i say that um the the entirety of the united states <laughs> is has that same history yeah. the entirety yeah. of it yeah, yeah I'm glad but you like, said it
0: too because I, yeah. I always do that with the sounds but I'm like let's not thank you cool. this is a collective
1: thank thing you. too <laughs> oh my god thank you I d- thank you cool yeah all right let's get down to that you want to like I always talk about so I had so I had somebody in the museum um for those of you who are listening Panache and I work together yeah. um <laughs> So I had somebody in the museum tell me that they were so happy that Sanford Biggers was being shown in the South because he said, and I quote, the North is just really bit like more aware and like understanding of like what of like racism. And I was like,
0: you had to take a moment, like, okay,
1: Hmm. it's like, excuse me.
0: Yeah.
1: It was like, so first of all, everybody in the United States, totally complicit in like the trafficking of people from Africa to the United States and the Caribbean. Everybody is complicit. That's a, that's a it's a fact. You can't like, forget
0: about the, you know, no. that did go up North Yeah. were reported <laughs> and given yeah. back. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. You can't forget about that. You can't forget about who, who, so where were the banks that sent the people to Charleston to run the logistics of the transatlantic slave trade? Where were those banks? Talk. Fucking, fucking Manhattan.
0: Talk about it.
1: Where did the fucking sugar cane that was grown by enslaved people, harvested by enslaved people, and then, sh- f- like, shipped from the Caribbean, where the fuck did it go? It went to Red Hook, Brooklyn. Whoa. Yeah. Where did the indigo on Asaba Island? That was like the only reason that the Morels, the Morel family on Asaba Island could grow indigo was because they had strategically selected, kidnapped, trafficked, enslaved people from Africa that knew how to grow indigo. Where did that indigo go? It went to England. Because England wanted to buy cheap indigo to make their stuff. Like, we are all complicit. Doesn't matter where you live. The Industrial Revolution would not have happened if people, if America and the Caribbean were not trafficking people from their home because they had a different skin color than, like, what I have. That is fucked up. We got to talk about it. A lot of people from up north, they come down here and they're like, I am like different. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna like save the South. And like the people who have grown up in the South, like all our lives, we're like, we're trying to make shit happen here. Like you, I was, I was talking to, I was talking to some friends and I was like, the, the, like this, the Southern people that are like trying to enact positive change, like they're some of the most like militant people. <laughs> Cause we're like, for like, like rights and just like basic human kindness and basic human decency but i think that like one of the really important things about like marrying southern culture with like with like activism is like in the south you learn like respect for place you learn reverence you learn like like that's something you learn like family yeah and that can be translated really well in activism and that can be translated really well into art like you using using like respect and translating it into like respect for other people respect for my neighbor like just deserves the same rights that i do
0: no i think that's the perfect marriage especially when we're talking about activism
1: Mm mm-hmm
0: uh, something that I actually also think about is, um, so a lot of the times within like rap music, like the South right now is like has always been for for a minute, but like right now it's going crazy, and it's like a lot of people who are like from Atlanta, yeah, artists are coming from Atlanta, they stick together, and the main thing that people are always saying is like, you know, why is it that? You guys are always able to stick together. You guys always stick together because, you know, in other environments, like people are always like going against each other and trying to, like you know, do rivalries within music that spill into like real life things. But like familial love. Yeah. That's why I feel like I, it, the answer is just like, just that, you know, quote unquote, Southern hospitality idea and just that idea yeah. of like being raised and like
1: yeah. you,
0: you respect one another, you know, and yeah. you kind of need every, you need the next man. Yeah. So, like, I totally agree in terms of, like, using that culture for good.
1: Yeah, I think that there's a lot of ways that we can use that for good. I think, um, and I've seen a lot of ways that people use it for good. Um, Like, the Bitter Southerner, I, like, those guys rock. (laughs) Like, the people who are running the Bitter Southerner now, oh, so, so cool. Um, I'm, not, like, I'm not hip so to
0: that. What is, what is the bitter sentence? So It's
1: it's a collective of storytellers and artists and activists and uh, like coming to that are all from the American South, mm-hmm. like coming together and like talking about like climate, talking about poverty, talking about like trying to get people out to vote, like trying to sharing stories, sharing art, sharing music. Um, there's a there's a natural dire Um in um, in Hale County, Alabama that I'm like internet friends with. Um, he got, a, he had a story on him um, published there. Um, Oxford American is a really great place. Um, there's actually, I'm using a story in Oxford American um, for a paper that I'm writing. <laughs> Um, in class right now, actually, it's a story it's, or it's a paper on a photographer that's doing, um, really, really beautiful work, um, in Louisiana, specifically in New Orleans. And she's using her work to talk about the, um, environmental disparity, um, in like in New Orleans, specifically affecting like lower income, predominantly black communities, um, so the, the the one that I'm, or the article that I'm citing, it's called Water is Life. Black coastal Georgians remain resilient in the face of environmental peril. And it's all about um, how factories in Brunswick, Georgia, and like just Glynn County, like where St. Simons Island, where Jekyll Island is, mm-hmm. they're poisoning water that people eat from.
0: I've heard a lot about that.
1: Yeah, like it's, and people, they can't afford to go buy food. They have to fish from this river. So, like, whether it's poisoned or not, they kind of have to eat it because that's their only option.
0: And so, if that has any like, have they has it's like is it totally like this they they know like the local government knows about what's going on they're just like you know they're in their right to do that basically
1: they the local government knows that it's happening they know that they're poisoning predominantly lower like lower income predominantly black communities and they're not doing anything about it wow because because profit over all else and there's there's some sort of like space program thing trying to somebody's trying to build like a launch pad on a protect like near a protected coastal heritage site. Um, also, a lot of predominantly black communities on the barrier islands, a lot of Gullah Geechee people out on the barrier islands, and they're trying to build like a fucking launch pad on the first base in coastal Georgia. Like, no, that's going to kill literally everything that's going to kill so much of the environment so much of the environment that we desperately need when hurricanes come we need those marshes we need those barrier islands when hurricanes come or else savannah's gonna flood more than it already does yeah but that's what i'm talking about with like circling back to uh, i have a tendency to like go on serious tangents especially when it comes to critical race theory yeah but we i mean i
0: needed to hear that because those things you talked about specifically, I was not even aware. So,
1: man, the the like, cr- like critical race theory needs to be taught in schools. And like, I didn't know about this until like I like I'm a white girl from Alabama. Like, I didn't know about this until I was ma- a lot older.
0: I was gonna ask you uh, like just because we 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 dived into a, like a lot of stuff real real soon, but I never asked you like what yeah. was you what was your upbringing like in. You know, where you like into these are, are you a reader and
1: like oh I was an avid reader because I was a super awkward kid as like just, duh. <laughs> I was awkward kid. <laughs> and so my parents, um, they both have their degrees in sociology. Okay. Um, my my mom taught a lot of sociology classes when I was a kid, my dad taught a lot of sociology classes as a kid. Um, now my mom actually is an academic advisor at SCAD. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was super cool. It was uh, summer 2019 when I was in New York. I got a call from her one day and she was like, Hey, surprise. I have a second interview. at SCAD. Can you and Dylan help me find an apartment? And I was like, I'm in Brooklyn, but okay. That's cool. And, um, my dad is still in Florence, Alabama. That's where I was raised um right on like it's a little it's a little city it's part of the quad cities if you're you know like your you've your background and like your focus is in music have you seen the documentary muscle shoals
0: no i have not
1: highly recommend it so cool it's like the history of like rock bluegrass blues like country music within um i wouldn't even say like it's like a loose interpretation of country music it's like folk um like in the in northern alabama it's really cool um, there's like a, there's like a big, it's like the quad cities over there. Um, it's like Florence, Tuscumbia, Muscle Shoal, Sheffield, um, like right on the Tennessee river is where I'm from. Um, and then Huntsville, Alabama is like an hour, uh, east and that's where like rockets are made, which is like total like the dichotomy is really funny. Um, so you'll get like rocket scientists and then like musicians. It's like yeah, one or the other.
0: I, I like the idea of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Like as I as I've gotten older, I've noticed the dichotomy like shift into more of like this like nice little blend because like Huntsville is getting like more and more artsy, um, and I'm like yes. Um, but it's. Um, I mean, like everybody hates where they grew up, you know,
0: Yeah, I'm like
1: that's, that's just like a that's just like a given. Everybody hates where they grew up. I certainly hated where I grew up. But like as I got as I've gotten older and like since I've moved and I come back like this weekend, I'm actually going up and seeing my dad for his birthday. Um, I like like I like where I was from more and more. Um, I have an appreciation from where for where I was from. Um, but my dad was, uh, my dad and my mom, both, um, like sociology is the study of like the, the behavioral study of large groups of people or like specific groups of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, um, I think some of that like rubbed off of, on me. Um, I was, I was always like focused on I was always very like, why can't everybody just have rights? Or like, why can't everybody just like have what they want? Because like I came out of the closet when I was 13. Um, and like in, in early and and I wasn't, I was growing up in like early 2000s in Alabama, not as a religious family. Like we were agnostic atheists. So wow. people like freaked out. They were like, oh no, they're like, there's a church on every corner. Why can't you pick one, Anna? Um, and I was like, I just don't, I don't know. No, I'm not religious and that's also another thing that's kind of gotten a little um a little blurred for me as I've gotten older like I've gotten more and more like like spiritual I've gotten more and more and I think that that just comes from respect of land just come comes from like respect of people like I'm a big believer in like the universe being all one thing, like everything that we're seeing is all one thing or part of one another. Like I am an extension of you. Like I, I, I was you, I will be you later or like you will be me later. I will be you later. I'm going to be a tree later. I'm going to be like particles later. Not, um, to, not
0: to derail where, you, where you're already talking, because we're going to keep going where you, about your background. Yeah, let's do it. Like, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday and they were just talking about that same concept and that's something that's been on my mind for a few days like what do what do you usually what do you think about when you say like we're all connected as as one like a co- kind of like collective consciousness if
1: yeah exactly that, that
0: idea can you if you were to explain that to somebody in the most simple way possible like how would you explain that idea
1: um I guess the, the best way to explain that to somebody is give them psychedelics
0: um, <laughs> that was really the conversation i was just like <laughs>
1: that, at yeah. a lot of our problems would really be solved if, like everybody had mushrooms like at least like, <laughs> like if everybody like trip for like one like one time um or like read a book yeah, <laughs> <Put back. right. laughs> like even if you don't like even if it's on your thing like just read like be here now or something i don't know um or like if read Like if, if you don't really want to read a book, like you can read, you can watch, um, have a good trip on Netflix. Um, but I think it's like everything, there is no hierarchy. Like we're, we're the, we're literally all at the same level. So like, we're at this, like humans are at the same level as like fungi, Humans are at the same level as like my cat sitting right there. So I'm going to be like my cat. Um, we, we all are experiencing, we are all emoting. We all have emotions. We all have connections and connectivity. Um, we all came from the same thing, like stars and (laughs) the earth and All of those stars in the earth came from the big bang. We all came from the same star stuff. We all came from the same crap that's floating around in space. Why can't we just understand that we're this, this body is liminal. This body is temporary. This consciousness is temporary. We are going to be so our atoms are going to be so many things. This is just a stop in a very long cosmic journey. It's getting very, like, hippie. (laughs) But, like, this is a stop in a very, very very long cosmic journey. We need to be kind to one another because we're going to be one another.
0: And the the way I would kind of wrap my mind around, because something I'm still trying to make sense of, but, like, for somebody who might be listening and being like, oh man, see, there goes those art students again. Like, yeah, just, there goes this crazy bitch. Think about it from like a scientific level, like in a way, like yeah. we we are biologically, we are connected to to, yeah. to trees and yes. you know organisms that were here when this was like mm-hmm. a weird place to be.
1: There is very, very little in terms of DNA that separates the two of us. Like very, very, very little. Like this, you can't hate two strands of DNA. (laughs) Can't hate you. It's so stupid to hate geography.
0: It's done though.
1: Yeah, it's and people do. They hate it. They hate geography. They hate like. A, a slight variation in the amount of melanin in your skin. They ha- they don't take consideration for trees or like how much emissions their car is putting off because it doesn't apply to them. Like we are something that I really learned, especially like during the pandemic, but just like, and, and also like, I don't, I, I haven't been able to travel as much as I want yeah. um, because travel is super expensive. Um, and I'm a graduate student. <laughs> Um, Something I've learned in, like, my very limited travel is, like, Americans are fed this notion that they are the only thing that matters. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like. I am the only thing that matters. And if I am happy, then that's fine. If I am living, like if I am getting everything that I want, just rah, 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 me, 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 like that's fine, fuck everybody else. If I'm happy, everybody's, everybody's, everything's fine. And it doesn't matter what kind of poison I'm pumping into the river. Because like, I don't know these people like what is it that's the that's the idea that like Americans especially are being fed like that's um it's one of the reasons why environmental preservation is a feminist issue um like it's it's there's a lot of we have to dismantle that teaching that like you're the only thing that matters this like weird like there's a term for it but I don't know what it is um that like you're the like solipsism, like this, you're, yeah, you're the only thing that is real. You're the only thing that matters. Um, Because it's not true. And like, we're all going to end up poisoning each other or dying in some like explosion. I don't know, like loose nukes or something. Who knows? If we continue that mindset, like we have to care for one another because we are so close biologically, spiritually, um, cosmically, if if you want to think about it, and like we are we're so close. We like, we have to protect one another, we have to be kind to one another, we have to respect one another, we have to love one another, or else this this is just not gonna work.
0: Yeah, and I think the solution to all that is access, you know, access, like yeah. access to, yeah. when you have when you have the ability to travel outside, yeah, of you know, just your little town, your city, yeah. or even your state. I know people who've never even left. Like, yeah. literally, they haven't even left their city, let alone, like, even gone downtown. Like, you know, and a lot of
1: that is a problem with finances. A lot of that is the fact that people aren't people in America, especially are not paid enough to be able to go travel. People are not like, people are not taught other languages here. Like, I didn't start learning French until I was in high school. Like, and then like all of these, like all of these um, people, they come down, like they come here to SCAT and like some of them speak like five languages. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh my God, respect. Yeah, yeah. Like that's wild. I I speak like one and like maybe one sixteenth, maybe on a good day. (laughs) (laughs) What does that even mean? (laughs) I speak like enough French where people are like, oh, she's trying. That's so cute. Here, you can have this, you can have the thing that you were trying to you can have the coffee that you were trying to order.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I went to I went to France and like it was Normandy and they were not messing with us like. They yeah. Were like we, because we came in there, like, hey, where do we find? They looked at us like, you're in our country talking to us, and like, yeah, not even gonna try to speak French. Yeah. Like, yeah. Were, were just-
1: I I really try. I, I really try, and like I hate the idea of like, it's it's really a failure of like the like my um like my American education is like just not, and I think like learning other languages cultivates a sense of empathy. Yeah. Like learning about other cultures <laughs> cultivates a sense of empathy. You don't really travel the best way, but you don't if you can't. If since we're in the situation where Americans are not paid enough to go travel on a whim, like we read books, watch like watch like watch movies about other people. Um, like what, like learn that's one of the really great things about the internet is like everything is at your fingertips you can learn so much about other people you can learn so much about other cultures you can learn a language on your phone that little like evil duolingo owl will threaten you
0: (laughs) (laughs) my duolingo uh i I just i downloaded it i still need to tap in because it's been a goal of mine to really get right with spanish Um, that's so cool my dad has always taught me when i was a kid like you need to learn spanish you need to learn spanish
1: and like, so many people in America speak Spanish, and I can't—I yeah. don't know hardly any Spanish.
0: That's really the main reason why I want to learn it, just so when I, when I'm around Spanish people, Spanish-speaking people, I can just like speak yeah. with them. You know what I'm saying? Like,
1: because they deserve that. They deserve yeah. that respect.
0: Because I know being Zimbabwean, like a lot of my people, we speak Shona, so that's they speak English, but they mm-hmm. feel, they feel comfortable and they feel happy when they get to speak their language so it's I just want yeah. to be in a position when, when somebody's speaking Spanish and that's their element I don't want to take them out their element I want to be able to like speak yeah them. and then when they feel like it they want to and they start speak switching over to English we we can pick up there like it doesn't really like meet yeah. on my level type of thing you know yeah. like
1: knowing about someone else's life knowing about someone else's culture knowing even just a little bit of someone else's language, even if you're not perfect, <laughs> even if the only thing that you can do is like hold, like hold strawberries out and just go face. Like that is, that is such an act of love yeah. and that's such an act of compassion and kindness. And like, I, I really vow anywhere that I move that I learn as much as I can about wherever I am, because that's such an act of love to other people. And again, you can't, I refuse to make photographs unless I know at least a little bit about where I'm making a photograph. Yeah. Because I want to, one of the great things about breath studies is I, not only am I like trying to have this idea of like the earth breathing, I'm trying to pay homage to what that land remembers. Like, there's always, like, I, I have a, um, I, like, I talk about this a lot and I've had people be like, yeah, you're right. And then I've had people be like, whoa, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, she's weird. Each barrier Island along the coast of Georgia has its own personality. Mm. So like, um, or like South Carolina too. I shoot a lot at Hunting Island, South Carolina. Um, I consider Hunting Island a thin place, um, where like, uh, which in, in, in lore, like that's a, it's a space where like the veil between this world and the next, or like this world and another world is that it's thinnest. I've always wanted to go to hunting when somebody dies, like someone in my life dies. I've been to hunting twice since like on, on the basis of somebody dying. I go there regularly to shoot, but there are Um, I lost one, I lost a friend of mine, um, the, who, who was the reason that Dylan and I got together. Mm -hmm. Um, he was one of Dylan's closest friends and I went, um, when I lost my grandfather, I went. And I think it's just because like the, it just, it just has that very peaceful play of that peaceful space. Jekyll Island Georgia is like the embodiment of wild of the wild Mm. like the the when I first came to Jekyll as um as a photographer as an adult um the tide was all the way up to the marsh like like all the way up to the to the parking area like it was It was crazy. That was the highest tide I think I've ever. I've been, I've returned to Jekyll so many times, to Driftwood Beach so many times. I'm getting married there in a couple of weeks. And that, thank you. That is the highest tide I've ever seen there. And I've shot some of my favorite stuff there. And it's just, it's wild. When we were doing our engagement photos out there, it was like the wind was so high and it was kicking up. It was cold. It was cold as hell. And we were both barefoot. And I was like, cause you know, your pictures yeah. and I was in like this little, like, like white sundress and it was like flying everywhere. And I was like, my cheeks were all red. Cause it was cold as hell. And it was just like chaotic and wild and like beautiful. And Osaba, I've been to Osobaugh a couple of times. It's because it's a protected coastal heritage center or protected coastal heritage site. You can only go, um, when like the foundation, when the Osaba Island foundation, um, has events. I, I went for a super museum Sunday the first time, um, in 2020 in 2021. Um, I went again in August of 2021. Um, for um like with with the Oswald Island Foundation but when I was interning at the Telfair Museums my my job my internship was they're doing in 2023 they're doing an exhibition on the art of Oswald Island oh wow yeah I'm really excited about it it was so much fun um I my boss and I got to go um we like took a boat out with the husband of the head of the foundation we went out and we went through there's a there's a mansion out there um that was owned by the matriarch of the island um she had art in there and we were going through and we were like looking at the art we were looking at like the condition that it was in mm-hmm. <clears throat> and in in each time that I was able to go i was able i had my camera um like one or two of my cameras um and i was able to be alone for a while and asaba hums like it doesn't like it doesn't literally hum you can't hear a hum mm-hmm. but like it there's this like very like metaphysical shimmer and like hum about it and i've heard so many stories of people when they were there um when they were there for the artisan residency, um, hear music, hear people humming or hear, like hear, see ghosts Um, there. And well, while I was there, the first time that I was on Asaba, that was the time I spent the most time alone. um, And I was making breath studies. I just, I felt like if I took a step, I would be in, in time, or I would be in the future. I would be back in time. I felt like if I took steps, I was like crossing in between space uh, or like in between time. I was staying on Asaba, but like time was just very like, mm, like wiggly. Um, And I just, It's just such a, whereas on hunting, I feel like I could pass through different worlds. Like I could, I could pass through like the land of the living or the land of the dead or the land of the other Mm. um, in some other dimension. I felt I was still in the same world. I was still in the same universe, but like time was different on Asapah. So like I, I told an artist, um, during an interview about Asaba that Hunting Island was very vertical in shifts and Asaba was very like horizontal in shifts. Mm. Like it was just very like, like the time space was very confusing um, there. And I, I, re- I stand by that.
0: <laughs> and on those trips, are you the type of person where you leave your phone in the car or leave it at home? You just going and just like getting immersed in that?
1: I generally have my phone on me just in case I lose my people. Okay. (laughs) Because I'll take, I'll take friends, especially when I was an undergrad, I used to wake my friends up at like four in the morning and throw them in my car. And like, they would sleep in the car and like Dylan and I would drive, um, like out to hunting or like out to Jekyll or like to skid away or, um, and we would like get up and we, we would be there while the sun was rising because that was when the lights best. And we would have like two or three hours to like run free along the beaches before it got too crowded um, taking pictures. So I, I will generally have my phone on me, but I try not to like I'm not I'm certainly not like immersed in my phone.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: it's really just kind of for emergencies.
0: Well, Anna, we had a we had a very dense episode. <laughs> yeah,
1: what a what a dense episode.
0: <laughs> um before we get out of here, two things I want to just touch on uh, is I believe last time we spoke you're planning a thesis show, right?
1: So I'm writing my thesis for um I'm writing my thesis for my master's degree. Um I have a five year plan to exhibit my breath studies. I want to exhibit them in Savannah. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm in the process of like making them still because I want a cut of 25 um, and I want a book of 50. Um, Maybe less than 25 for exhibiting, depending on the space. Um, But I will be done with my master's degree in spring. I will, I will, I'm applying to jobs, but I hope to return within five years and to Savannah and exhibit breast studies. Cause I feel like that was the space where they were born. Yeah. That's the space where they should be shown.
0: Okay. Um, I'm going to put your, your site and, and all your info in the episode and in the YouTube. So people can definitely number one, gotta, gotta go check out her work, please. And just keep up for that time when it comes. And then like, what type of advice would you give to somebody um, just in general
1: um, about photography practice or just life. Nine times out of 10, your gut's going to be right. It doesn't matter like what this, the situation is. Like be, be in touch with your gut. Don't lose that gut feeling and listen to it when it really talks to you. Like when you, when your gut says, yes, this is what you should be doing. This is where you should be. This is who you should be. This is who you should be, you should be with or the opposite, especially when it's the opposite. Yeah. God. Listen to them. You, you know deep in your heart what's best for you, especially if you're women. Oh my God, especially if you're women. Like, don't, don't lose sight of your gut and listen to it.
0: I stand behind that statement. Thank Um, you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Until next time.
1: Thank you. Thank you for
0: having me.